Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It was a, another dizzying day of news, fast and furious on the news fronts, and we are going to get into what you missed and where it goes from here with two insiders. Adrian Elrod is here. She is a Democratic strategist. She is also the former Director of Strategic Communications to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Frank Masano is also here. He is a partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group and a Republican communications advisor to several Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Thank you both for being here. Adrian, I, I want to start with you. The president has denied this. I was on Capitol Hill all day today interviewing lawmakers in both parties, talking to staffers in both parties. And the consensus is that as of now, Republican support is holding for President Trump, there doesn't appear to be a significant breakage, really any breakage, of significant Republicans backing the Speaker Pelosi's inquiry into impeachment. Mm -hmm. That said, tomorrow, the acting director of national intelligence is set to testify before the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff. How imperative is it for Democrats to convince some of their Republican colleagues to get on board with this? in order to take it from the political realm into the constitutional realm? Great question, Kevin. Thank you. Um, I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily imperative for Democrats to um, work on trying to convince Republicans. I think it's more important for Republicans to decide what's more important, upholding their constitutional duty or playing politics and trying to curry favor to the president, uh, President Trump, who they constantly are making up excuses for in order to, um, you know, curry favor or, you know, not get on his bad side. I think Republicans tend to either, um, you know, want to be in Trump's good graces, so they essentially, for lack of a better term, kiss up to him, or they're scared to death of him. There's really no sort of, there aren't a lot of Republicans who have the courage to go out there and really speak um, speak the truth. So I do think the acting DNI testimony um, tomorrow is going to be very interesting because it's been leaked to the media this afternoon that he um, would basically step down if he wasn't able to testify freely. So I think his testimony tomorrow is going to be very important. To your point, Kevin, there's still a lot of information that we don't know. We have not seen the whistleblower report. Um, we've only seen a transcript that is filled with some redacted redactions and paraphrasing, but also that transcript is very damning for the president as well. So there's still a lot of questions, but I think and I hope that once some of this additional information comes to the forefront, that you might see some Republicans come forward, because I do think this needs to be a bipartisan um, investigation. Adrienne Elrod's here. She's a Democratic strategist, former director of strategic communications to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Just to catch everybody up to speed, literally, literally, as President Trump was addressing that press conference uh, at the United States mission at the United Nations, lawmakers on Capitol Hill on the various intel committees were gathered in the in the secure briefing rooms where the whistleblower complaint was hand delivered hand delivered to Capitol Hill 
for lawmakers to review. Adrian made mention of the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, who is set to testify tomorrow before the House Intelligence Committee about this Ukraine matter. The Washington Post reported earlier this afternoon at about 2.45 p.m. New York time that he was considering stepping down if he was not able to uh, act freely. That said, during the president's remarks, he called the acting director of national intelligence, Joe McGuire, a quote-unquote tough cookie. And as that was happening, McGuire released a statement. I mean, this is how quickly today has moved. And this and the statement reads, quote, at no time have I considered resigning my position since assuming this role on August 16th. I have never quit anything in my life and I'm not going to start now. I'm committed to leading the intelligence community to address the diverse and complex threats facing our nation. That's from uh, the acting DNI. Joe's McGuire. Frank Masano is here, a Republican communications advisor, a partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group. Republicans who I talked with today, uh, Frank, told me, hey, wait a minute, Speaker Pelosi should have waited for the transcript to come out. She should have waited to see precisely what the six committees' investigations were uh, going to yield in terms of impeachment. And essentially, Republicans were saying, here we go again, Democrats. They've been trying to impeach this president since before he took office. Well, I think they have a long leash there. Um, you know, the Democrats have to be concerned that they don't get out in front of their skis, over their skis. You know, this is what somewhat happened with the Mueller report, that this was going to be the big uh, – the Mueller report was going to be the big thing that caused uh, – uh, this to fall apart, and uh, it really became uh, not much of a uh, of a, uh, it was a dud, right? For the most part, now, <laughs> I would hardly call now, it a dud. But. Now, now we get to the next one. I'm not saying that there's that there's not anything here, but we're still very early in the process. We have lots of political innuendo, lots of political intrigue, and the news media that's really clamoring for every little twist and turn as you set as you right. sensed and i think that that actually m makes us a little bit more over the edge than we probably ought to be on this we we ought to probably wait this out some as pelosi was trying to do for in fact for many of her own members who are somewhat in vulnerable districts that this may eventually hurt. Frank Pisano is here, a Republican communications advisor, as is Adrian Elrod, a Democratic strategist, former director of strategic communications to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. So there we have it. We've laid it out. Democrats are saying this is absolutely an impeachable offense, that if it were any other president, uh, whether it was Bush, Obama, uh, and they called a foreign leader and raised the prospects of a political opponent, that there would be massive political outcry. Republicans saying this is a nothing burger. So that's where we are today. That's where things stand today. And just to catch us up to speed here, President Trump on the world stage defending himself, to, uh, saying that uh, this is a quote unquote witch hunt. He spoke with President Zelensky of the Ukraine. And, and, and I was struck by this. I mean, the timing here. Uh, truthfully, it, it's remarkable, um, and I say that objectively, to have, while all of this is going down, a scheduled meeting with the foreign leader who was at the center of it. But he says that, uh, that, he was, that they had a good phone call, that they spoke about many, many things, uh, and that nobody was trying to push him. Uh, and then Trump interjects that Trump interjects that, no one, that, that, that he was not pressuring him at all, Adrian. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, again, why it's so important for Congress to uphold its constitutional responsibility and look into this and get more information. Um, look, the bottom line is this. Even before the transcript was released, any time the president of the United States asks a foreign leader to interfere in the election, that is an impeachable offense. We knew that that happened before this transcript was released. Um, by the way, it's also not the president of Ukraine's responsibility to make this determination about what's right and wrong under United States constitutional law. Um, this is why Congress has to look into this. There are so many unknown factors, but what we do know is that Donald Trump is well, scared to death about Joe Biden becoming the nom Democratic Party nominee, and he wants to do whatever he can to stop let me, him. Let me just say, Kev, I, I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I'm not an, uh, um, one, I'm a communications guy, right? And so I'm not going to sit here and debate whether this is completely uh, in, in uh, an impeachable offense or not. Because Good, because really I don't, don't think people want to hear that, it I don't think, right now. I, I don't think they're think, trying to make sense of everything. Yeah, I don't think That's we really job. know. I mean, I don't think we really know. I don't think we know anything. I think what, right. this, is, what this is becoming is um, a political battle, which you're starting to see the, the, the battle lines shaping as to where it's going to be. And, and right now you have a handful of uh, – you've had a, a significant number of Democrats that have been pushing on this issue for a long time, right? They already have – in essence, begun an impeachment inquiry, um, whether it's official or not. Um, and you have a certain number of Democrats who are in the middle on this that are in red districts that are very concerned about having to be put on record on this issue. At the same time, you have a lot of Republicans who, um, who you know, are part of a, a Washington establishment that have, you know, been affected by you know, the, the chaos of this administration. And I think, you know, that's the way that this president has operated. All right, I've got two tough, I've got a tough question for each of you. Frank, I'll, I'll start with you. If it wasn't President Trump, and let's say it was President Obama, who picked up the phone, called a foreign leader, and raised the prospects of another election, would Republicans be responding this way? Well, I can't jump through hyper hypotheticals. I will say that they tended to be more – Republicans – in between 2008 and 2016, we're completely uh, looking for things to attack the president on, whether it was Benghazi or whatever, right? Um, I can tell you from personal experience that um, Republicans, in fact, uh, probably overplayed their hand back in 1998 when there mm. was an actual impeachment inquiry in mm. which I was working on Capitol Hill at the time just before uh, as it was starting out. So, um, you know, and again, was that an impeachable offense? Uh, I think there was a lot of argument at the time. And the interesting thing about this whole debate is you're going to get, you're going to have C, uh, you're going to have C-SPAN sound from each side, which each is side. completely the opposite of where they are today. And it just goes to show you um, that you got to be careful about what you say at what time in this city. Interesting. And, and given your Capitol Hill uh, experience. All right, Adrian, I got a tough question for you. So no one's alleging that Hunter Biden did anything illegal with taking a spot on this board uh, uh, of Elisma Holdings, a Ukrainian company. Uh, it's tough to say it's not an example of nepotism, respectfully. I think objectively folks can make that. Is this bad news for the Biden campaign? Because, look, Elizabeth Warren, the Quinnipiac poll has her now surpassing amongst Democratic voters for the first time, Joe Biden. There was a Monmouth University poll out earlier this week where she's now beating Biden in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Does can, can, can Democratic voters separate this and say if Elizabeth Warren's running on an anti-corruption, anti-crony message, should Joe Biden have to answer to this? 
this relationship, these business dealings, not necessarily because they're illegal, but the, there's a difference between crony and illegal. Well, it's, that's a good question that you, you teed up, Kevin. And I think it's a little, the, the short answer is, I think it's a little too early to determine how this will impact Joe Biden's candidacy, whether it will help him or hurt him. I mean, sure, on the surface, anytime we're talking about the president talking to the president of Ukraine and putting this pressure on him to um, turn over, quote unquote, opposition research dirt on Hunter Biden in exchange for foreign aid. I mean, that is not a good thing for Joe Biden because you immediately the next sentence is Hunter Biden. Right. So that why was this even an issue? Well, because he's trying to get dirt on Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Um, so that is that's never a good situation for any candidate to have that being brought into the equation. However, on the flip side, I think you can also look at this and say, Here's a moment for Joe Biden to really engage and in, in, engender sympathy from Democratic you know, Party voters who think this is ridiculous. This whole thing is, you know, he's a victim here. And is he able to basically generate more support and more, you know, and, more support among Democratic primary voters? And he's taping with Jimmy Kimmel tonight. Coming up much more from the panel, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at TikTok on Twitter. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A move higher for the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ stocks advanced as renewed signs of easing trade tensions diverted attention from the swirling impeachment drama in Washington. We will have more on that coming up right here on Sound On Special Edition. The S&P 500 index halting a three-day day slide with tech and bank shares pacing the gain. Equities rattled by the political turmoil in America did turn higher after President Trump suggested a trade deal with China was possible and then moved toward a pact with Japan. S&P 500 index up 18, a gain of six-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up 83, a gain there of one percent. The Dow up 162 points, higher by six-tenths of one percent. The Bloomberg Global Business Forum underway in New York City. And at the forum today, we asked J.P. Morgan Chase Chairman and CEO Jamie Dimon about his presidential ambitions. I considered it at one point. I discussed it with my wife. She had a funny line. She said, you can run for any office that you'd like, just not with this wife. In other words, <laughs> find someone else. I thought that was somewhat discouraging. <laughs> the tenure down 26.30 seconds with a yield of 1.73%. Gold, little changed, up 10 cents, 15.04. The ounce West Texas Intermediate crude down 1.1%, 56.66 a barrel. So once again, uh, recapping, stocks higher, S&P up 18. That was a gain of 6 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. Our special edition of Sound On continues. Once again, here's Kevin Cirilli. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Another busy day on Capitol Hill. Just within the last hour, President Trump speaking at the United States mission at the United Nations, addressing reporters and digging in, refuting allegations that he acted improperly with Ukrainian President Zelensky on a phone call where, according to a transcript, he did mention Hunter Biden, the son of Joe Biden, with regards to that business dealing where Hunter Biden had accepted being on the board of Belinsimo Holdings, a Ukrainian energy company. Meanwhile, up on Capitol Hill, the whistleblower complaint that started it all has now been transmitted, hand-delivered, 
to Capitol Hill for for both the Senate Intelligence Committees and the House Intelligence Committees to be looking into it. I, I spent all day up on Capitol Hill talking to lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, staffers on both sides of the aisle. Right now, it's a it, there's it's it's a partisan story. Democrats are backing Speaker Pelosi. Republicans are backing President Trump. Tomorrow, Joe McGuire, who is the acting director of national intelligence, is set to testify before the House Intelligence Committee. So I, I want to stick with congressional reaction because that's really where this story heads, at least for the next 24 to 48 hours. It's why I'm so grateful and have so much gratitude that my panel of all-stars is here with me in studio. Adrian Elrod, Democratic strategist, former director of strategic communications to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, and Frank Masano, partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group and a GOP communications advisor uh, to several Republican lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Thank you both for being here. Uh, Frank, I'll start with you. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell today, sticking with President Trump. Take a listen to what he said. Here he is. I agree that the DNI should make additional information available to the committee so it can evaluate the complaint consistent with the statute and other procedures that exist to safeguard classified and sensitive information. What I don't want to do is have a partisan bickering fight, and I don't think you, you two want to do that either, nor do I think our listeners want to hear that. I want to walk folks through behind the scenes what is happening right now. Frank, you mentioned that during the 1990s impeachment saga, as that was getting kick-started, you, uh, you were working on Capitol Hill. You know intimately the lawmakers that are in the halls of Congress. The Republican caucus tonight— when they're in the back rooms, when they're at PJ Clark's, when they're at Cafe Milano, what are they talking about in terms of their strategy to get through the next 24 hours? Well, I don't, I don't know that they're talking about a lot of stuff, uh, but I, 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 it's surprising. I think one of the things you have to get to with these guys is, you know, I think a lot of them know that Trump is an, has, is, has been, always will be an unconventional type of candidate, president, uh, communicator, however you want to call it. He's always going to be unconventional. He's not going to do things the way they do things. So I think that's part of the reason they take a step back and, uh, and, and, and look at the way he's talking about things. Secondly, I think they take what they can out of it and know where their base is. And they also, I think, um, think about how they can – uh, adjust to what he's saying and doing so that they can uh, give give themselves some cover as well. But to their constituents, Frank, in, in suburban districts who have pivoted back and forth and are independent voters, Republicans, right, cannot be perceived as immediately saying no. They have to be measured. As McConnell said, I mean, he wants to hear the whistleblower exactly. complaint. They've got to take their time to some extent. No, no, I think that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing a measured— So that's a strategy. You're, me you're looking at a measured response based on who and where you are. Um, who's up for re-election, who's not, um, based on what things you've said in the past, how you've handled Trump issues in the past. I think all of these things are coming in to consideration when members look at these things. Adrian Elrod, Democratic strategist, take a listen to House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff as he relayed uh, earlier today uh, what he believe or how he believes uh, this has gone on. Here's Adam Schiff. Like any mafia boss, the president didn't need to say that's a nice country you have. It'd be a shame if something happened to it, because that was clear from the conversation. 
All right. So as you know, Adrian, again, as someone who you know these members personally, mm-hmm. you talk to them, uh, you know the, the campaigns uh, personally. The debate right now is, and I want to stick to a tactical debate for the Democrats, is whether to focus in on this Ukraine issue independently or to bring multiple fronts of the six investigations that are ongoing in the House of Representatives and, and take me behind the scenes of that debate and why Speaker Pelosi, as a political referee of her caucus, is having to navigate that and the political implications of it. Well, you know, first of all, it's important to keep in mind that Speaker Pelosi chose not to do a select committee, right? She, she allowed the chairmen, the chairwomen of the committees that have jurisdiction over certain aspects of controversy regarding President Trump, whether it's Russian election influence, um, and of course, this Ukraine situation, his tax, you know, failure to turn over tax returns. There's a bevy of committees that have jurisdiction over certain elements of this potential impeachment process, should it actually become impeachment on the floor. Um, so I think that was smart of her because, look, these are people who have, you know, have certainly have expertise, who have worked really hard to achieve um, chairperson status of their respective committees. Um, when it comes to Adam Schiff, I mean, there is just nobody better when it comes to, you know, understanding data, understanding information, taking it all in, and then communicating it in such an effective, very straightforward manner. We are very lucky that he remains chair of the Intelligence Committee. I think there was some question that might maybe he wouldn't remain in that position because I believe it's a two um, two term position, but he was he got an exemption and was able to stay on. Um, but look, we're going to see what these guys come up with. I mean, they've got some time to investigate. I will say that I hope that this does not bleed on too long into the election cycle because, you know, there is a theory, and again, I think it's still too early to determine this, but there is a theory that when if impeachment happens, the entire um, election process essentially freezes. It's a, it, and that's, that's a point that we're going to discuss more. I'm so glad you led us there, Adrian, because coming up, we're going to talk about the political implications of it this just 13 months until the next election. Uh, fascinating insights from both Frank and Adrian. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Much more on this coming up. Kevin Cirilli, you're listening to Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at TikTok on Twitter. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World, Hank Waters, I'm Charlie Pellet. An update for the Dow, the S&P, and NASDAQ. S&P halting a three-day slide. Technology and bank shares pacing the gain. Stocks rose as renewed signs of easing trade tensions diverted attention from the swirling impeachment drama in Washington. We'll have more coming up in just a moment. 
moment as our special edition of Sound On continues. S&P up 18, a gain there of six-tenths of one percent. The Dow advanced 162 points, up six-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ higher by 83 points, up today by 1.1 percent. Ten-year down 26, 30 seconds yield now, 1.73 percent. Gold, little change right now, up 10 cents the ounce at 15.04. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, lower today by 1.4%, 56.49 a barrel. Recapping, stocks higher, S&P up 18, a gain of six-tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. Our special edition of Sound On continues. Once again, here's Kevin Cirelli. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. You sure that we had, uh, I think, good uh, phone call. It was normal. We spoke about many things. And I, so I think, and you read it, that nobody pushed it. Pushed me. Yes. In other words, no pressure. In other words, no pressure. That was President Trump speaking with Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky earlier today at the United Nations following the release of that five-page transcript of their call. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. My guests are Adrian Elrod, Democratic Strategist, former Director of Strategic Communications for the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign, and Frank Masano, Energy Insider, a partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group, and former GOP Communications Advisor. Adrian, I hate to put you on blast, but I was watching your face react to that soundbite of uh, Zelensky and, and then Trump saying, in other words, no pressure. And I just want to I want to ask you what what was going through your mind as you heard that. Oh, I'll tell you what exactly <laughs> what was going through my mind, Kevin. That exactly that exchange right there is exactly why Congress has got to look into this. And that's why an impeachment inquiry was opened by Speaker Pelosi. I mean, you've got the president of Ukraine saying, oh, there was no pressure or, you know, there was no quid pro quo, essentially, I'm paraphrasing. And then you have Donald Trump saying, yeah, no pressure. I mean, the two of these people trying to make this determination on something that is absolutely not legal for a president to do to pressure a foreign government to get opposition research in order to against his opponent. I mean, this is exactly why Congress is ex- exercising oversight. Frank Mazzano, you're sighing. Well, I just, I mean, I hear I just, an audible sigh. I just think that, well, first of all, look, this is very early in the political investigation of this. I'm not saying it, 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 it needs to go forward, right? They'll do what they do. Um, but the reality is, we're, you know, the, I watched CNN most of the day today. I watched Bloomberg TV. You should be watching Bloomberg I Television. I Bloomberg Come TV on. For, 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 the, for the business side. But, you know, the, the crazier you get um, when you go to MSNBC and things like that, they, they really just want uh, they, they really just want to make this a, 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 par- a partisan issue, right? I've and unfortunately, I think that Fox, goes. MSNBC. I'm a contributor for MSNBC. That, that goes so I'm going to defend the network here. That goes in the wrong direction for where this probably ought to go. Well, let's talk about. All right, look. I mean, like, so I, what I don't want to do is, is do a partisan back and forth. I don't think our audience wants to hear it. I think folks want to know what's next. And that's where this process uh, gets incredibly interesting because in the next 24 hours, tomorrow, we're going to be hearing from uh, Joe McGuire, who's the acting uh, director of national intelligence. He testifies in the House. And then actually the Senate, the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee has invited the whistleblower to meet with them 
as early as Friday, and I heard some rumblings on Capitol Hill where I was all, all day today talking to folks saying they're fully anticipating there could even be a hearing as early as this week with this whistleblower. I want to pick up on something, Adrian, that you said earlier in terms of the timeline, because so much of the business community is trying to decipher. We didn't really see any uh, reaction on the street today off of this news, but they're trying to decipher what precisely this means on policy issues ranging from uh, drug prices to USMCA and the like on policy, the Eurasia group. They're all scrambling today trying to draft their memos on what's going on. Mm -hmm. In timeline, you said something earlier that I want you to expand on. Does this have to get wrapped up by the end of the year? Because come next year, I mean, it's the Iowa caucus, it's, it's the primaries, the convention, and then you've got the election in November. Well, look, Kevin, I think this is a difficult question to answer because on the one hand, you want the process to work out exactly the way it should. You want every stone unturned. You want every piece of evidence um, put forward because this is a very serious issue and when you're going through impeach potential impeachment of the President of the United States, you don't want to leave anything out. Um, however, on the other side, we do have my party. <laughs> we have an election that we want to win. We want to defeat Donald Trump. And if you have a two-track process where you're talking about impeachment and that's driving at least half the news, and then you've got the primary driving the other half of the news, or all the other factors that are happening. See, that's interesting. I didn't even it think makes of that. It very, it makes it very difficult to even get your message out if, if you're running, you know, if you're running against Donald Trump as a candidate. So, look, but the bottom line is this: Leader Pelosi is aware of this. She knows this. She is a master at, you know, communication. She's a master at overseeing her caucus, knowing exactly how to handle this. The pulse. I feel very comfortable with her in this position. I am confident, as she has done throughout this entire process, she will make the right decision. But I do think by the time the convention rolls around next summer, we don't need to be talking about impeachment. We need to have this wrapped up. President Clinton, when, when that impeachment process took place, it took about three months. Um, three I'm months. hoping that we will see now. you got to wow. also keep in mind, though, Republicans were investigating the Clintons all the way back to Whitewater. So that was going on for at least six, seven years. They had a lot of information already in the can to make the determinations that they did. We don't have as much of that at this point, but still, I, 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 the process needs to play out, but we still also need to keep in God mind moves. that we've got to and, beat Trump at the ballot. And I, do think, I do, well, no, I do think that it's important, too, that Pelosi and others are considering um, you know, some of these vulnerable districts that they, that they swung, that they swung in, in 2018. These are important districts. You know, an Abigail Spanberger, somebody like that is in, in this area. But there are three seats in Michigan. Rural Virginia, you know, yeah. In, in places like that. Um, there's a seat in Michigan that has been overwhelmingly Republican over the years. Mike Rogers' seat. Um, mm -hmm. This is east of Lansing, west of uh, Ann Arbor. It, it's very Republican district that, um, you know, that, that was won by a Democrat. And you know, by by just a couple thousand votes. So, and these are these are districts that in an, a presidential election year could swing right back, and that's a risk that they have. And you you're putting some of these candidates in a in a very such, difficult spot by having to put them it's on. It's such record. great points by both of you because it, it, it also, if impeachment becomes the story in two, in the year of 2020, uh, leading into these down ballot races. On the on the down ballot boxes, it that's going to be the defining issue. It's, it's going to be more difficult to localize. So, Adrian, I, again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but but essentially, if you're a Pete Buttigieg or you're a Beto O'Rourke or you're a Cory Booker and you're heading into the Iowa caucuses, and all of the news is about impeachment, that's tough. That is tough, right? I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I I don't know. I just, you know, look, campaigns can figure out how to get their message out, right? And it's not just what's driving, um, you know, what's driving news, you know, the news on cable news outlets, right? right. It's what's, what's happening in, on social media. I mean, there's plenty of other ways to get your message out than besides, you know, cable news. But yes, at the same time, it is important for these candidates to be laser-focused, candidates running for president, to be laser-focused on why they're running for president. They're not running for president to impeach Donald Trump. They're running for president to improve the economy, to you know put more people to work in the jobs that they want to be working in, to improve health care, to save it, not repeal it. There's a whole host to, to address climate change, which, pre- which President Trump has epically failed to deal, deal with. There's many reasons why they are running for president. Impeachment is not one of them, so they should not be focused on talking about let impeachment. Me, let me go back to one issue that you mentioned about the, yeah. bi- the business community, of course. You know, the, the, you ask about the certainty and the business community and things like that, and I, I think that this is difficult because it does suck up a lot of that oxygen, right? A lot. Although what I would say— Get your oxygen well, yeah. mask out, folks. <laughs> what I would say, though, is that this has been an unconventional three years, Right. We are already. I think we all would agree with that. <laughs> we are already in the business community, used to the uncertainty and the chaos of this administration. If you've tried to do anything on the policy front, whether it's from ethanol policy or banking policy or anything like that, so I think that some of that is already baked into the cake, and that's an important factor to yeah. think about when you talk. There's about There's been those. a recalibration yeah. by the wall, by Wall Street exactly. by globally. All right, quickly because we've got less than two minutes, but I want to give each of you a final take in the next 24 hours. What are you going to be looking for on this story, Frank? We'll start with you. Well, look, I, it's it's going to have to bake itself, right? We're going to have to see how it plays out. We're going to have to uh, see how much detail. Uh, they get from uh, the director of national intelligence and uh, some of the more specific things that find out. I think that's where you'll see hardening of positions in my mind. Yeah, and the whistleblower report. I right. mean, we you know we right. want to hear from His him. Testimony. We want to see the report. Right. Um, that combined with the DNI report is going to be very fascinating. Good or bad news for Joe Biden, Adrian? Again, I think it's a draw. I think it's a draw at this point. I do think that you could look at this from the standpoint of the more that this is discussed, the more that he's able to go out there, show his foreign policy chops. I mean, President Trump this morning couldn't even name the president of Ukraine, right? Joe Biden has been focusing on foreign policy since he first came to Congress at age 29 years old. Well, thank you. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's all going to come down to who Democrats, though, think can beat Trump. And that's really the key question. And, you know, we've talked about that some. Is it going to be Elizabeth Warren? She's got a lot of momentum right now. But I do still think that Democrats generally uh, think that they want to beat Trump. i got to be honest. I've been doing this for like eight years now. Today was a fascinating day in American politics, uh, spanning the world, really, and, and even into Europe. My thanks, my gratitude to Adrian Elrod, my, uh, Democratic strategist, former director of strategic communications for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, and Frank Masano, who, by the way, this was his first time on the program. Would you come back, Frank? Yeah, we definitely will. Partner at Bracewell's Policy Resolution Group, former GOP communications advisor. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes, Bloomberg.com, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Spotify. That does it for me, I'm Kevin Cirilli. More continuing coverage all throughout the week. Uh, Chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. 
held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.